Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And this is Eric. Hello. Thanks for coming back, Eric. So, this is the easiest part. This is where we wax rhapsodic about games that we love that manage to marry theme and mechanics in beautiful ways. audience has already listened to me go on and on about how great Dune is. Do it again, Jonathan. No, I'm not going to. Just listen (laughs) to basically any previous episode about how it absolutely is Dune, and you absolutely do feel like the factions of Dune. No, 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 not doing it. Uh, Instead, I'm going to go with something else. Usually, in order for theme mechanics to properly uh, get married and make beautiful music together, there needs to be enough complexity in the rules to be able to accommodate a lot of different wacky things that can happen. I want to talk about one that almost feels abstract. Lord of the Rings, The Confrontation. By Rana Canizia. Which is like almost kind of sort of like a reskin of Stratego, which is basically, which is also like loosely themed around war, but it's like basically an abstract game. Stratego was one of my favorite games, maybe my favorite game when I was a little kid. And Lord of the Rings The Confrontation positively fires this game. Instead of having 40 pieces on a side on a board that's huge with like 100 spaces on it, there are 9 pieces on a side in a a very claustrophobic board that only has 16 spaces. Um... Sometimes you can have more than one piece on the same space, but just as in Stratego, I can see where your pieces are, but I can't tell which one's which because they're one-sided, and only on your side do they tell you which one is which. So on one side, you've got Sauron, and their pieces are like the Balrog and Saruman and the Black Rider and the Cave Troll, these things. Over on the other side, you've got the Free Peoples of Middle-Earth, and we've got the Nine Walkers of the Fellowship, Frodo, Sam, Legolas, Gandalf, the rest of them. And on your turn, all you do is pick a piece, move it forward one space, that's basically the game. Here's where it gets wonderful. Everything beyond that about the game is beautifully, beautifully thematic. The game is asymmetrical. Uh, The goodies have way more clever tricks up their sleeve. The baddies have a lot more raw power. The way you win is different. In order for the baddies to win, all they have to do is kill Frodo. For the goodies to win, they have to get Frodo all the way to the opposite side of the board, to Mordor, to destroy the ring. Hmm. And each piece has a unique special power that bends or breaks the rules of the game. Gandalf gets to see what card the baddies are going to play when he gets into a fight. Uh, the orcs always kill whenever they're fighting, whenever they're attacking. When they're on the defense, they're kind of cowardly because orcs. But um, when, they, when they're attacking, they always kill. Unless they're up against Gimli, who hates the orcs so much he mentions them by name. Um, Frodo, when you attack him, he can just turn invisible and disappear and run away from the fight unless you corner him first. This creates situations that you can really, really see in your mind's eye as these fights are happening. It also leads to an overall feel of desperation and uh, and, and, and desperate conflict because people are going to be dying left and right in this game, all over the place, and both sides are going to have to make brutal sacrifices to have a chance to be able to win. It feels like a, like a desperate conflict and, uh, and, and feels really epic, even though the game itself is actually quite simple and only takes 30 minutes. That is one of the most impressive uses of theme I have ever seen in a game, and I love it for that. You mentioned that you think that in order for theme and mechanics to really interact, there needs to be enough complexity for the mechanics. It often feels that way. But I, I feel that like one of the best examples of 
theme and mechanics coexisting is actually a game that is on paper very very simple and that's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective oh that game totally cheats so the in, writing in it is so good <laughs> yeah 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 but I mean like in a, in a world where there are so many different Sherlock Holmes games like there's like Mycroft versus Holmes and then there's um, Beyond, Beyond Baker, Baker Street. Street there's so many but this one it's so it's almost like laughable how basic it is you know you're playing as sherlock holmes's like little like street urchin acolytes and you are solving crimes because he doesn't feel like it today (laughs) he's like i'm gonna sit on my couch and put up my feet and smoke my pipe and do the crossword and you can go solve this whatever you can go figure out why these like statues are missing like what happened with this lion these diamonds this murder this robbery whatever and you've got a choose your own adventure book basically and the London directory and a map of London and you got to figure out what happened. And if you want to go talk to someone, you find the name of the directory and you go to that location of the book and you read what happened and you wrote down your little number of what page you were at and you keep track and you try to solve the puzzle in your head. It really turns mm-hmm. you loose in it London does. to do what you want it to does. do. It yeah. like, does. And the thing is, it's so good and so true to theme. And like for me, that is like as good of an execution of the theme of Sherlock Holmes that you could possibly get. I can't imagine better. That's the thing. Like you are given basically nothing except for like a little bit of writing, like not even that much writing. Maybe like scenarios are tend to be like 13, 14 pages each. And they're made up of these little entries that are just a few paragraphs each. Or like it's two sentences and you knock on the door and nobody's home. It's like, okay, well like all of that thinking and plotting we've been doing for the past 20 minutes, let us know where. Well, it's and so I think good. that like Im- it's really impressive of the of the actual developers of the game mm-hmm. that because uh, you would assume that a game like that oh we found a clue let's go talk to blank person it's so linear except it's not they had mm-hmm. to design absolutely everything so you could stumble into any location and not be getting spoilers for stuff that you should have gotten mm-hmm. unless you're unless you randomly are like you know what let's just go to this apartment building for no reason you might get there and be like oh actually there's they're talking about people we've never met. But there's very few examples of of where that actually happens, mm-hmm. where you you are like, wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's designed so carefully. You just mm-hmm. pick a place, read the entry for that place. Mm-hmm. It's that simple, and yet so immersive. My mm-hmm. favorite bit of theme for that is, yeah, so every case starts with like Sherlock Holmes telling, saying to you, okay, like, you go take care of this. I have other more important things to do. <laughs> And then it ends with Sherlock being like, yeah, so I took 20 minutes out of my day to solve it because I had something open up after lunch. <laughs> and, and he solves it in... You, you, the minimum the possible minimum. number of so steps. So what you do is you... How, it, how the game scores is you, you visit all of these places and you keep track and then you have questions that you have to answer and you get points for each question that you can answer correctly and then you deduct the difference in locations from you and Sherlock. So, you know, we the, f- the first case we did, we're like, yeah, 17 locations, like, perfect, and we know everything. This is great. And Sherlock had done it in, like, four. <laughs> and then you yeah. deduct, like, five points for, sep- for mm-hmm. each different one. So that was 13 extra at five points each. And just that, like, small little bit of writing that's, changes it from us being like Sherlock like look what we discovered to Sherlock being like oh yes I've solved this already but come children let me hear your version so I can laugh at how stupid you are it just makes it feel very very true to theme of this like jerk genius (laughs) that just sends these street children around to like solve mysteries unnecessarily most of the time don't forget the newspapers too 
Yeah. Every case gives you a copy of the day's paper, most of which is filled with atmospheric nonsense mm-hmm. from Victorian London that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but you never know. There might be a personal ad in there that was placed by one of your suspects. So good. Okay, Eric, your turn. Um, well, there's kind of a couple. I'm going to really quickly piggyback on that with um, Arabian Nights um, mm. because it also has, like, it feels very much like you are interactively reading one of the tales of the Arabian Nights. And that's another example of a game that's fairly simple and uses text, uses writing mm-hmm. to do most of its mm-hmm. heavy lifting. Yeah. And then as all, as the as, stuff uh, immersion. That, all the stuff I think that's outside of the text, like the dice rolling and the moving around and stuff, is also, like, very cleverly done so that it feels it feels like there's a little bit of chance involved there's a little bit of like decision making about the about a couple of different things like it's neat that that's it fits what the game is doing very well Mm. Um, but i think the other the other game that um that i'll bring up is uh time stories or t-i-m-e stories if you want to be very what does t-i-m-e stand for i forget travelers temporal intervention something like that yeah um, yeah, it's a stupid, stupid acronym. acronym. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, I feel it's very immersive because it isn't almost, it, it is, again, almost exclusively storytelling, you know, and it's wandering around. There are dice things, there is combat, um, but all of those are there to serve progressing the story forward. Um, and with a brilliant uh, built-in mechanic about being able to reboot time mm-hmm. um, and then carry information forward with you. So you yeah, can doing the Groundhog Day thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can gain information and all sorts of stuff and then you run out of time and you reboot. And you're like, great, so we don't have to go to the shed because we know that there's only somebody there who's going to try to kill us and yeah. the information we got there we can remember because we're, like, existing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then how they also adapt their mechanical system for each expansion so uh, different colored tokens mean different things different dice mean different things and they're all very much tailored to what um, what that particular scenario wants do you find that the um, the, the varying themes of the different expansion sets for time stories the different stories that you tell there um, do they really affect the way the mechanics feel the experience of the game feels yeah, I think they I think they definitely do for the most part. Sometimes it, it's a little bit like, oh, this is the I'm going to expend this colored token to do things, you know, uh, or often it's just the gold ones are money. Um, but yeah, they can interact with the way that you play the game, I think, really successfully. Yeah, I found that there there was like a different feel and, and also not only do the different sort of like let's say resources or like tokens like change meaning so like the blue ones in one game are this and there are another one in this and another one in this but also the importance of each changes so right there's like, more emphasis there's more emphasis um, on some versus others so like versus so like in the first and second scenario i found that there was like one style of token uh, yeah token style i'll say that we didn't really use at all in the first game just like we just didn't really use it and then in the second that was all that we were using we were expending all of that particular resource mm-hmm. do you find that uh, some of these things wound up working better at integrating mechanics and theme than others yeah I, yeah like it, it it's but the thing like like eric was saying because time stories is mostly like again like storytelling and writing like i found that a lot of the failures of the certain scenarios over the others were due to storytelling mishaps rather than mechanical mishaps i think that generally the mechanics are quite sound interesting universally and like the arctic expedition one is really i really want 
to spoil how it starts so badly and I can't. Um, but they do this brilliant thing that can only, I think, be done with the way that game is structured at to, to kind of start the game, that game off. Mm-hmm. Like you arrive, it's, I mean, you can kind of guess you're in an architect. It's John Carpenter's and, The Thing, isn't it? Mm, not quite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you arrive on a ship and everything's frozen and it's been lost for weeks and so on and so forth. And just the way they resolve it, it, like it's really it's brilliant like it's really brilliant and you get right into it immediately mm-hmm. you're like this sucks what's going on kaboom oh let's keep going like it's really mm-hmm. it's really well designed all right uh let's come back to this on friday we can talk about some cases where the theme just feels pasted on uh, kind of a waste of effort and maybe some cases where there's some near misses where it sort of almost works but not quite see you then bye, bye.